Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the 11th chapter, from the Common English Bible Translation. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, a branch will sprout from his roots. The Lord's Spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He won't judge by appearances, nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. The word of the Lord. So we are in a worship series about possible and impossible, remembering that with God, Things that seemed impossible are suddenly possible. And this morning we're talking about hope made possible because that's what God does. That's what Jesus does is God brings hope. They say that we can endure an awful lot when we have hope. And we can't endure very much when we don't. So hope matters. It changes us. When we talk about hope, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about like a Pollyanna optimism where if I just will myself to believe hard enough, then I can convince myself that like a positive outcome is inevitable. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hope that's about perseverance and engagement and trust in God. Perseverance, engagement, and trust in God. So some of you might be thinking, hope is about perseverance. I mean, are you kidding me? Perseverance? How is perseverance going to help a family where the parents work full time and they still cannot afford housing? How is perseverance going to help this corrosive divide in our country where different ideologies are demonized and considered enemies, how does perseverance help with global warming and the devastation that that will bring? And they say as this continues, we can expect war as people fight over land and water. How does perseverance help with any of that? Well, I'm here to say hope is about perseverance and engagement and trust in God. It's the perseverance to stay engaged even when things seem hopeless. And then trusting that it matters, trusting that God has it figured out. And that as we persevere in what God has given us, all the pieces will fit together. So, Housing seems hopeless 
I looked up some quick numbers for the last 10 years, 2013 to 2023. There's been 30% inflation, which is about right. $100 in 2013 bought the same as $130 today over 10 years. During that same 10 years, housing valuation and rent in this valley, it didn't go up 30%. It went up 300%. That's huge. So hope is about staying engaged and persevering towards our goal of housing for everyone. This corrosive divide in our country, it feels hopeless. As the politics of demonization now are the norm, where family members are estranged over who they vote for, where friendships have ended over ideology, we no longer think of others as having a different opinion, but as being so morally corrupt as to be criminal simply by holding that opinion. In fact, it seems that both Democrats and Republicans oppose anything coming out of the opposite party simply because it came from them. So hope is about staying engaged and persevering in loving cooperation. Global climate change seems hopeless. Every year, it seems like we're making a new heat record. I just heard a story this week about residents in Paris have a greater chance of dying from in a heat wave than any other city in Europe. In Paris, people are dying from heat waves. Paris is the same latitude as the U.S.-Canadian border, and people are dying in heat waves. Unlike previous generations, we're not looking forward to our children and grandchildren living a better life than us. We're worried about them living. So hope is about staying engaged and persevering in caring for this good planet God created. You can probably list a hundred other things that give us reason to feel hopeless, the persistence of racism and the persistence of sexism. And there's so many things that make us hopeless. And right now, after me listing some of it, you're probably feeling a little down, feeling some weight of the world on you, which means you might be feeling similar to those folks that Isaiah was talking to, that Brielle shared with us the prophet's words. Because things did not look good for those folks. In the ancient time when, when Isaiah was, was preaching, was prophesying to the people about 600 BCE, there was an army of a big, nasty empire headed their way. And they had a pretty good idea what that was going to be like. And when Assyria arrived, because Assyria was the army at the time, it was going to be a lot more than a military firefight. Most of us have not gr grown up or lived through war. And so we tend to think of war as strategic and military. So we can be surprised by the civilian atrocities that seem to always go along 
war. Things like rape. Not just the action of rogue soldiers, but, but a tactic, a deliberate tactic of war. Major General Patrick Camemert, former UN um, division commander, said, it is perhaps more dangerous to be a woman than to be a soldier in an armed conflict. And that is not new. So I think we can assume the Assyrians employed that tactic. We do know the Assyrians used impalement as part of their terror um, strategy, which is, you know, big stick impaling, lining the roads. They did a great job of terrorizing people. And then there's the normal parts of war. You know, soldiers and warriors dying in battle and um, the killing of livestock and taking belongings and stealing food and leaving people to starve in famine. Those folks that Isaiah was talking to, they were feeling pretty down as they're watching this army come closer and closer. And then here comes Isaiah with these amazing words of hope. Of hope that is not a little hope, but is extraordinary and unimaginable hope. Isaiah confronts the people. They had turned away from God. The rich and the uppity-ups, he says, you had set laws to benefit yourself. They set up the law system so that they benefited. Tax cuts for the rich, no services for the poor. And Isaiah confronts them in chapter 10. Our reading was from chapter 11. Right before that, in chapter 10, he says, you made unfair decrees. You made oppressive statutes. You violated the rights of the poor. Your laws oppressed the widows and the orphans. And then Isaiah says, a new king is coming. A new king is coming. It will sprout from the stump of Jesse. That means King David's line. King David was the son of Jesse. And here comes a king from King David's line, who everybody would have remembered as wonderful, faithful king. Isaiah says this new king is coming, and this king will be amazing and faithful. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, and this king will have wisdom and understanding and strength for defense. This king will have knowledge of God and obedience to God. This king's laws and decrees will be fair and just. This king will uplift and care for the poor and the widow and the orphan. And because this king is just, it won't go so well for the wicked. And then Isaiah describes what life will be like with this new king. That it won't just be a return to what was, but that it will be better than it ever was. It will be so good, so extraordinary. This, and he gives us this amazing imagery of lions and lambs and, and um, predators and prey. It is a view of the world that was the inspiration for a mural painted at, on the Department of Justice when the Department of Justice building was built in Washington, D.C. in 1936. The artist Simeon Shimon painted contemporary justice and the child. 
based on this imagery from Isaiah. This is an image of the world run God's way, where there is fairness and justice and kindness and wisdom, and there is no more predator and prey like those rich who are preying on the poor. This is a world where everyone is safe and everyone is cared for and everyone is together. Those old hostilities are gone. Those old predatory ways are gone. All things are safe and cared for. The lion is not starving. The lamb is not in danger. The world is transformed. Because that's what God does. God transforms the world. This image Isaiah paints is so compelling. It has been the inspiration for many artists, including Fritz Eichenberg, with this wood engraving called the Peaceable Kingdom, where we see the wolf and the lamb, the leopard and the young goat, the calf and the lion cub, lion cub, the cow and the bear, the lion and the ox, the little child and the snake. In such a world of hopelessness, this is what Isaiah proclaims. And anyone could have rightly said, Isaiah, are you kidding me? Would you look around? You're talking about some Pollyanna optimism. You are not talking about reality. But Isaiah was serious. Isaiah knew what was happening. And Isaiah knew about God. His hope his perseverance, it only made sense with God. Isaiah knew something about God. And he is not the only one. There are many examples of people across the ages who knew something about God that gave them hope, who stayed engaged, who persevered, who trusted in God. I am deeply inspired by the enslaved church in this country in the 17 and 1800s. These folks, I think, legitimately had no reason for hope. They say that slavery in America was the worst kind of slavery. That slaves had no rights at all. In fact, livestock today has more rights than slaves did back then. And it was perpetual. If you were a slave, your children were slaves. And so there was seemingly no hope. And yet, folks heard the gospel. And there was joy. And there was hope. They'd heard about Christ from the white masters. The, the white folks figured that this was another tactic they could, they could use. They would preach to people about their reward in heaven. They would get a reward in the afterlife if they were obedient in this life. And of course, they meant obedient to their white master, not obedient to God. But you proclaim the word of God, and it works out God's way. The gospel snuck through. People heard this good news. They heard about this Jesus who came to proclaim liberty to captives heard about a God with a long history 
of getting people, saving people from impossible situations, about God who freed Hebrews from slavery in Egypt, well, if God could do it then, God could do it now. About this God who defended the widow and the orphan, the vulnerable. They heard about God who heard their cries, who saw them, who would redeem them. A God of hope made possible. With God, hope was possible. And they were filled with joy. They were filled with hope. They heard the gospel so well, actually, they passed laws about church for the uh, black slaves. And they said they could only go to church on Sunday. They could only hear from a white preacher who would cherry-pick verses to tell them to be submissive, um, you know, and uh, stay in their place. And so the folks would sneak off. They would sneak out into the swamps and the forests. They would hear the gospel proclaimed by a black preacher. They would sing songs, hymns of praise to God. They would worship the one who set them free. There are churches built today on the sites of where they would sneak off. We had the good fortune to be in Maryland several years ago, um, look, visiting the places where Harriet Tubman lived. And there is a, it turns, she was Methodist. There is a Methodist church built on the site of where the slaves would sneak off and worship God. Those folks knew something about God. They knew something about hope. And they knew something about God. Many of those folks who worshipped then would die in slavery. Isaiah, the prophet, speaking about this amazing, this amazing vision of God's redemption Isaiah would die before God redeemed Israel back from exile. And yet they hoped. They knew something about God. And so they persevered and they stayed engaged and they trusted in God. They knew something about this hope made possible. Christmas is coming. And with the birth of Christ, God got right into the middle of our mess to redeem us, to set us free, to liberate us from captivity, to free us from the slavery of sin and death. And Jesus came to be our king. That king like Isaiah talked about. A king with wisdom and understanding and strength and knowledge of God and obedience to God king who is just and fair, who uplifts the poor and the vulnerable and the refugee. Isaiah knew something about God. The enslaved church knew something about God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she knew something about God. Maybe you know something about God. Maybe you know something about hope made possible. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord God, when our trust is in you, when our trust is in you in our hearts, 
when we trust you with our actions, when we stay engaged, when we persevere in following you, in striving to understand what you are up to, Lord, you fill us with hope. Lord, this morning we ask for your hope. Through Isaiah, you have given us a vision of a world run your way. Lord, keep us engaged and persistent. Your followers on earth being part of a world run your way. We pray this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.